Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, Thank you so much for the privilege of this shared time today. I know that your time is precious. Um, You are precious as well. Don't ever forget that. Um, Don't ever lose sight of just how precious you are in the sight of God. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. So where in the word are you today? We are in 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. All right, so um, you could probably spend a whole lot of time in the opening in the opening sentence of these verses the end of the world is coming soon um and that's true every moment that we live every minute that passes every day that passes every year that passes we are certainly drawing ever more close to The end of the world as we know it. The end of the world is coming soon, Peter declares. When Peter wrote these words, um, the context in which he lived was very different than the context in which you and I live today. The times were different. The nations of the world were different. Um, But the practices of people were practically the same. And so when we read Peter's words from now more than 2,000 years ago, um, the end of the world is coming soon. What, what does soon mean, right? Well, we are certainly closer today than we were yesterday and certainly closer today than Peter was when he said the end of the world is coming soon. Um, when the end comes, the perfect rule of Christ is going to replace the current reality of our world systems. The kingdom, big K kingdom of God, will be fully manifest in the midst of the kingdoms, small k, of this world. And as believers in Jesus, we are called to prepare ourselves for the imminent return of Christ. Jesus Christ is coming again to judge the living and the dead. It's not just a phrase in the Apostles' Creed. It is the true truth. And when he comes, when he comes, the world as we know it is going to end. So how do we prepare for that? And how do we live in the midst of the meantime? Not just the time between here and there, but the times that are mean. Like, you know, there's a meanness of spirit in the world today. Well, Peter says, 
In view of the fact that the end of the world is coming soon, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. How earnest and disciplined are your prayers? I don't, I don't, I think my prayers are earnest. I don't know how disciplined they are. It's a good question for each of us to ask today of ourselves. How earnest and disciplined are my prayers? And then Peter says, now most important of all, and again, this is like Paul saying um, about uh, all of the gifts uh, that he lists in his letters, hey, hey, over all of these things put on Christ, um, uh, love covers, let love cover them all, let, let love be manifest as, um, as the primary gift. There's a whole chapter on love following a litany of gifts that Paul lays out for the church in Corinth. Um, chief among these is love. Faith, hope, and love remain these three. The greatest of these is what? Well, the greatest of these is love. So there's nothing greater than the love of God. Like, that's it. It covers everything. If you're going to know one thing, know love. If you're going to do one thing, love. Continue to show deep love for each other, Peter says. For love covers a multitude of sins. Love is the way that people know we are Christians, by our love. So we live in a fallen world, every single one of us. And we all suffer in one way or another. In the time of Peter, that suffering was um, full-scale government-sanctioned. We're talking about the days of Nero, who persecuted Christians by throwing them to the lions and literally lighting their bodies as the fuel for streetlights. They were used as sport in the gladiators arena. None of us knows. None of us knows what that was like. And none of us knows what lies ahead in terms of the dangers that we may face in the coming days. There are Christians around the world today facing the kind of life and death that was faced by Christians in the days that Peter was talking about 2,000 years ago. And between here and the end, Things are going to get really bad. But the end of all things is near. It's always coming soon. How are you emotionally and spiritually preparing? That's that earnest and disciplined prayer business. <laughs> so if a moment ago you were thinking about your earnest and disciplined prayers as being, you know, comfort and joy prayers... What Peter is talking about when he talks about earnest and disciplined prayers, he's talking about the way people pray in the face of open persecution, life and death prayers, breathless life and death prayers, because the end of everything is drawing near. And as the end draws near, we see the multiplication of evil, the demise of biblical standards, um, a world where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Think of the days of the judges where people openly reject God and the truth of God. Um, they reject Christ. There is literally a spirit of anti-Christ in the culture. There's an increasing disdain for the people of God. Peter says these times are coming and you should expect them and they shouldn't surprise you when they arrive and you should earnestly and in a disciplined manner pray that you would be prepared to endure. My friend, the end of everything is speeding toward its final conclusion. But we are a kept people. 
We are a people covered by Christ. We are a people who know the love of God and who love with the love of God that others might know. That others might know him. We love because he first loved us and we loved others because he first loved us and we love because love covers a multitude of sins and we love because love is the greatest of these. Be a person of faith, have genuine hope and love. Love in the midst of the days that are evil in full recognition that the end is coming soon. Jeff Bilbro is going to join us next we're going to um, have a little bit of a back-to-the-basics conversation with Jeff. Um, he, he writes um, for and, and then aggregates a, a list for us at something called Front Porch Republic. And I was reminded this week in another conversation about the word republic that not everybody knows what that word means. So we're going to talk about the word republic. It's not just the beginning of of the way one group of political people describe themselves in the United States of America. The word republic actually means something. So what does the word republic mean? And what does it mean to have a front porch republic? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Jeff Bilbro is joining us now. You can find him at Grove City College. You can also find him at the front porch Republic. We're going to turn to that here now. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. Hey, when was the last time you sang Happy Birthday? And to whom did you sing it? Wow. Mm. Uh, probably one of my I, I, siblings. I can't remember. I heard it okay. sung just this weekend when I was at a restaurant. Does that count? You, you did? Were they singing <laughs> Happy Birthday to Faith Radio? They weren't. We are 75 today. Today. Woo-hoo. I know. Woohoo. All right. So there you go. Get your happy birthday hats on, everybody, because throughout this morning, I might be um, I might be asking you to um, spontaneously sing happy birthday to Faith Radio, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And just trust me, I, I it's going to make you happy. It's going to make you happy when you do it. All right, Jeff, um, I thought it would be really helpful to have a back to the basics conversation because Front Porch Republic includes the word republic. And so I was asked. Does that mean Front Porch Republic is some front for the Republican Party? And I said, um, <laughs> no. And so I better have Jeff circle back and have a little bit of a back to the basics conversation. So let's unpack the word republic. What does it mean? Yeah. Um, and then what is Front Porch Republic before we start looking at some headlines there? Yeah, well, republic just means uh, the public things, things that pertain to um, the community or the polis, as opposed to just the individual. And um, and so, yeah, it's a form of government, but it's also really at root just a uh, a concern for caring about and, and tending public things. And, you know, Front Porch Republic, uh, early on, the, the name was chosen because front porches are this kind of third place, the sort of in-between space that mediates um, the private sphere of the home and the public sphere of the street. And um, Patrick Deneen had a great uh, essay early on kind of explaining the name and saying that you can, you can kind of trace in some ways the atomization or the fragmentation of American culture to the architectural shift from building homes 
that have front porches facing the street, facing the community, uh, taking those down and instead of putting up back patios that are private spaces where we, we gather in isolation and uh, trying to think about how we can bolster and strengthen and participate in more third places, more mediating spots where um, we rub shoulders with our neighbors and hear what's on their mind and try to um, contribute to public things rather than just look out for our private interests. If I've told you this already, um, uh, forgive me, but uh, I was exposed to the word porching, um, the use of the word porch as a verb and inviting, intentionally inviting diverse people to meet on your porch at a particular, you know, on a particular day at a particular time and the activity just being porching. Um, with no, you know, no agenda, no expectations, just the opportunity for, you know, yeah. all the people that you know who you might invite together at one point in time to porch together. So, um, so that's that's what we're going to do here. We're going to um, consider public things, and we're and we're going to do it together on the front porch as a mediating spot. And so, Front Porch Republic is the website, frontporchrepublic.com, where our friend Jeff Bilbro ag- aggregates something called the Water Dipper. Um, and so let's look at a couple of things that you have on the water dipper today. Um, and I thought um, that I would call from the list a couple of things where we're going to look back as a way of looking at ourselves and, and how we live. So tell us about the ghosts of Black Appalachia um, and visit her kitchen. Yeah, I haven't read uh, the book that's that, uh, is under review here yet, but I want to. But uh this author from the, or this uh, so journalist is interviewing Crystal Wilkinson about her new book, Praise Song for the Kitchen Ghosts. And um, Crystal sort of goes to her. She's, you know, an African-American from uh, Appalachia, from Kentucky, and, you know, not from a very wealthy uh, background. And she, she uh, kind of makes this cookbook and this collection of uh, memories centering around uh, her kitchen and how when she goes to the kitchen and she cooks for her her family and her friends, she is traditioning, she's reenacting the um, generations of care that have made her who she is. And that the kitchen is this particularly um, kind of a thin place for her to remember and um, and not just kind of intellectually remember, but actually remember with her hands the work of her uh, ancestors. And, and so that was a beautiful reflection, meditation on how cooking and caring for those who are here now can also be a way of uh, recalling all the, the care that has made us who we are in the past. I have a, um, a few treasured items from my grandmother, Benefiel, and one of them is her rolling pen. Mm. Um and and then I have some I have a sifter that she used um, and I have, you know, I have a cup. I have a few things. I have a few kitchen yeah. things. And and uh, and this reminded me of that. And I love the yeah. word traditioning, you know, reenacting the practices that make us who we are. Um, and and so I just want to encourage you to consider what um, what are the places? Maybe it's the kitchen. Maybe it's the garage maybe it's um you know the the 
the wood pile. I don't know. Where are those places where there were practices that your grandparents did that you're aware of? Um, did your did your grandpa split firewood? Did he change the oil in the in the tractor? Um, what did your grandmother do? And where did she do those things? Maybe there maybe it was knitting or crocheting. Um, maybe she sewed pillowcases like right. What are the things of the past that you might reenact as a practice of being reminded of who you are and where you came from and the people to whom you belong. Um, I don't consider them ghosts of the past, but the places and the spaces that make us who we are are inhabited by our ancestors. Um, And so uh, revisiting those memories and um, singing praises over them for a good and godly heritage um, is worthy of our time today. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Bilbro here in just a moment. Jeff um, has read a book. He didn't read this one about, you know, praise song for the kitchen ghost, but he did read one about despair. And I'm going to have him share with us his review um, of Zero at the Bone. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. How are you preparing for the reality of Jesus's last days, his passion, Holy Week, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denials, Jesus being stripped and humiliated by soldiers and falsely accused by the Jews and subjected to mock trials and ultimately crucified? How are you planning to give those events in Jesus's life the attention they deserve? That's what the season of Lent is all about. The 40 days prior to Easter are set aside to prepare ourselves to face the reality of the cross and, yes, ultimately to celebrate the reality of the empty tomb. I invite you to join us in reading through the Bible together during Lent. The study will provide a way for you to intentionally engage each day with the Word of God. You can sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com as we read through the Bible together this Lent. Jeff Bilbro is with us um, from Grove City College and Front Porch Republic. Jeff, um, you have been reading of late. Um, talk with us about your review of Zero at the Bone. Yeah, I've I've been reading Christian Wyman for a long time. Um, he kind of made waves in uh, my circles when he uh, published uh, an earlier book, uh, Every Written Thing, and My um, Bright Abyss. Um, making his, his Christian faith, uh, more explicit. He used to be the editor of poetry and, uh, he's been diagnosed with a very rare and terminal form of cancer, maybe 10 years ago. And then seems like every, um, every time when he's about ready to die, there's this sort of new experimental treatment. And he says, sure, I'll go through this. And it's, you know, of course, a brutal experience. And, um, and the cancer goes into remission and then it comes back and, he does some other treatment. So he's uh, he's hanging in there and he continues to write and uh, both beautiful poems and also this these really haunting sort of reflections on um, faith, uh, what it means to, to be a Christian and, and how do we um, hope in the midst of suffer suffering and pain. Yeah. And his new book is, is called Zero at the Bone, 50 Entries Against Despair. And it's a uh, a very wide ranging collection, but in many ways, I think what he's trying to do is not, you know, give the sort of sentimental response to suffering or pain that says it doesn't exist. It's, you know, just, just look on the bright side of things. He wants to take uh, our, our fallen condition quite seriously, but he wants to set against it as well. Um, 
faith and hope and um, uh, these other realities that uh, need to need to put our despair and our pain in context. And that way, it's very Jobian, I think. You know, God doesn't exactly mm-hmm. answer Job's uh, questions, but he does say, hey, Job, we need to put some other things uh, on the table as well. There are other realities that your uh, suffering might obscure at, at this moment. I think that's kind of what Christian Wyman's up to in this book. I appreciated um, the way that you help uh, help bring forward the ideas of, I mean, I, this is going to sound strange, I think, to folks um, who haven't considered this before, but despair, um, the actuality of it can become mundane. Yeah. And, and he, he obviously addresses that and you pick up on that. Um, you know, I'm tired of the word despair um, because it almost like attaches too much drama to the dullness of, of you know, maybe what you're experiencing over a long yeah. course of time. There is, there are certainly those excruciating um, experiences of despair, um, but then there is also the um, the suffering that seems purposeless and where, you know, nothing is changing and doubt lingers over time. Yeah. Can you just talk about maybe, I mean, when he talks about entries against despair, he's a, he is literally addressing despair itself in many, many different ways. Yeah, that's a good point, Carmen. I mean, obviously he suffers from cancer. I mean, he has these mm-hmm. big events in his life uh, and many uh, listeners I'm sure can relate where there is an event that just hits you like a wall of bricks and it seems like nothing will ever be the same again. And, uh, you know, it's earth shattering. And then life goes on, uh, changed perhaps, but you still have to go on and, uh, and make sense of the next hour and the next day. And, and even when um, there are no sort of uh, seismic moments of despair, I think many of us can become sort of... Um, depressed or or uh, th- there's this sense that like what is the meaning of life what is giving structure to my days and so despair can sort of settle in in more hidden quiet yet no less oppressive forms as well so yeah it's a very multifaceted experience and it, it's it manifests in different ways but it can be deadening and numbing uh, regardless of of how it manifests. So I appreciate that he doesn't sort of fix it on one form of despair in this book, but tries to reckon with its full reality. So how do you reckon with despair? Um, what are the realities that you set against the reality of despair? Um, do you set joy against despair or faith, neuroscience or art or prayer or quantum physics or exercise the suffering of Christ, beauty. Um, how do you how do you set things against? How do you set realities against the reality of despair in your life? That is an exercise that might be worthy of our attention today. The Psalms of Lament would be examples of how you can set yourself in prayer against despair. Um, before we let you go, um, I'd love for you to to talk about. Um, an obituary, um, a, a look back at a life um, 
because we've been doing this of late. We did it just yesterday in relationship to Toby Keith, but we're sort of acknowledging that like obituaries matter and the things that we say about one another after we're gone matter and how we live now is going to result in how we're talked about after we're gone. So who 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 is Fred? Is it Chappelle or Chapel? Yes, I think it's Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, you know, not a not a famous writer, um, but a good writer. And he was a poet laureate of North Carolina and uh, you know, lived most of his life there, was a was a teacher for many years. And um, I think he is just an example of um, someone who was skilled at what he did, did it for his community and uh, tried to use his gifts, his ability with words um, to, to bless and encourage his students and um, help his community recognize the beauty and value of their place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe, you know, he is remembered in the New York Times and you know, he did live a notable life in some measures. But I think he's also an example of somebody who um, lived a life of quiet fidelity and is exemplary for that. Are you living a life of quiet fidelity to the things that God has set you as a steward over? Um, and then what what's the banner written over your life? Um, these are these are good considerations for each of us and all of us as um, none of us knows how long our life on earth will be. And we want to live each and every moment of it to the glory of God. Jeff, as always, thank you so much for what you're aggregating for us um, on the Water Dipper at Front Porch Republic and for visiting with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Carmen. And uh, happy yeah. birthday, but I'm glad that, that uh, it's the radio station it's turning 75. <laughs> right? It's a diamond <laughs> birthday. You know, so if you were wondering what to send us, you know, diamonds are faith radios. Oh, well, we're probably not our best friend. I probably shouldn't say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, every good gift, every good gift. Hey, thank you, brother. We really appreciate it. All right. That's, uh, that's Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at Grove City College in Front Porch Republic. Yes, it is Faith Radio's 75th birthday today. And, um, belated gifts are being, are, will be accepted because you didn't, you didn't know. You didn't know in advance that today was the official day of our 75th birthday. And so, you know, just mark your calendar at some point in time to send us a birthday card, a birthday gift. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there you go. Happy birthday. There's all kinds of happy birthday songs. Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut said he was singing the happy birthday song that he has heard me sing from time to time. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey. Yeah. Um, and yes, Jim, we did discuss what the word republic means. It just means things, um, things about the public square, public things. So, um, and yes, it has a political definition in terms of like a, the things of the city, the things of the polis, the public things. But when we are talking with one another, it's the public things that we talk about and how we constitute ourselves um, together in public. And so how we represent Christ in public is a form of Republic, like how do you represent Christ in public spaces? 
Um, you could think of that a little bit um, as well. All right. So, and yes, uh, the the reason, Jim, that you may not have heard us talk about that is you were distracted by trying to find your birthday hat and singing, this is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Happy birthday, Faith Radio. 75 today. Woohoo! Yeah, there's time to get your party hat. Um, no question about it. Joining us next, uh, Ruth Kramer. She helps us uh, understand what is happening around the world. We've got brothers and sisters in Christ all over the place. And um, and they're experiencing challenges that you and I are not uh, not experiencing, um, but they're also experiencing radical joy in ways that we are not. So we're going to um, consider what in the world is going on in the world from the perspective of, um, uh, yeah, from the perspective of um, Mission Network News. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Happy There's a lot of uh, hard-hitting news out there today. Uh, we here on Faith Radio, and particularly here on Mornings with Carmen, we want to focus on some heart-hitting news. And so Mission Network News is a wonderful partner in that exercise. Uh, Mission Network News exists to inform us about stories that matter and empower us to take action that actually changes the world. Um, and so Ruth Kramer is gracious to join us and share with us some of the things that are happening with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, and also things that are happening in places and spaces and how those events affect our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Ruth, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thank you very much. Pakistan is going to hold an election tomorrow, and we want to be praying um, in advance of that election. I'm wondering if you can um, maybe help us know how to pray because what happens in, in Pakistan is related to what is happening in the rest of the region. And I know it has already been a tumultuous lead up to the election tomorrow. Boy, you aren't kidding about that. Uh, you've had massive demonstrations, a lot of discontent coming out because they're dealing with a number of issues. I mean, coming into the election, a national election, uh, the former prime minister, Imran Khan, who's a very popular figure, uh, was convicted on corruption charges and actually jailed. He's campaigning from jail and he has a lot of groundswell support. Um, what you have is a kind of a, a clash between two political parties. One is the Muslim League that kind of represents um, the upper class. And then you have the People's Party, who would, which is the second party and representing more of the, the poor people, the lower class. They stand with the minorities. Um, but both of those parties aren't strong enough. Neither of those parties, I should say, are strong enough to actually win the election outright. So it's likely they're going to form a coalition. Um, but they won't have enough strength by themselves to, I guess, implement some of the plans they have. So it's likely that the army is going to be drawn into all of this stuff once the elections are settled. The the best guesses from people who are watching the situation is that the Muslim League and the People's Party is going to um, connect together with the, the army. They're going to win the election and we're going to just continue to see more of the – how do I want to put this? Um, the situation with religious freedoms and religious minorities deteriorate uh, even more. Um, I guess the other part of this concern is that as we're watching the situation, um, ministries are concerned because of the conflict on the border. Now, you're drawing mm -hmm. into 
uh, Pakistan, all of this other stuff that's happening uh, regionally. Uh, Iran is another concern because Iran obviously uh, had missile strikes in, in mid-January. And while Pakistan did respond, the feeling is that um, they're not afraid to fight back, but they're holding back until after the elections. And the posturing has been, the language has been, um, don't mess with us, we have nukes. And that is actually one of the headlines that they're there that is uh, kind of making the rounds in Pakistan. Um, so a response following the elections to the Iranian aggression because of what's going on between Israel and Hamas is likely. And because you have nuclear powers that are being involved now, uh, the concern is just where is this going to stop? So we have partners like Global Catalytic Ministries and FMI who are just urging us to continue to be praying because God is doing work in Pakistan, even with all this chaos and uncertainty. In fact, GCM shared with us a story about how they were praying about this situation. And in the middle of their, their prayer meeting, two Sunnis came to the house and basically said they were being persecuted from within their own uh, community, the Sunni community, and they came to the Christians in desperation because what they'd been experiencing were uh, visions of angels, and they felt like they were being directed by God to find the Christians that they knew were being involved in gospel work in Pakistan. Uh, now, that's a, that's a pretty dangerous kind of a, a scenario just because um, it would be seen, easily seen, as going against the blasphemy laws. So this group of, of um, gospel workers tends to be very careful about uh, how they do what they do. And so being found by a couple of Sunnis was uh, kind of an interesting thing, especially while it's happening in prayer. So they said, the Sunnis said, if I can have anything today, I just need Jesus. So they gave their lives to the Lord, and this uh, group of um, uh, gospel workers is actively discipling them. They're praying for an increase of this response through the entire Middle East because right now is the season of harvest. Um, pray for these organizations, these gospel workers to be making disciples amid the chaos. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. We want to lift up um, Christians who are in Pakistan, and we also want to ask God to use this as a as an opening, as an opportunity. Um, but there is a lot of chaos on the ground. So put that on your prayer list today. Um, next door would be India. They are holding elections in April. Um, India is already a incredibly difficult for people of religious minority faith to live, including Christians. Um, uh, and so talk with us about um, what I, I guess what what everyone is anticipating is going to happen in the election in April and, and maybe how we how we pray in the midst of that. You know, the, the message that the Hindu nationalists are sending in India is um, to be Indian, you have to be Hindu. Uh, and they're really not trying to uh, have a soft approach to that. The right now, mosques are being targeted specifically um, in uh, by the Hindu nationalists. So they're attacking mosques. They're uh, building uh, Hindu temples right over ancient mosque sites. They are closing mosques down. Um, they are invading active mosques with. Uh, uh, 
uh, Hindu worship ceremonies and that kind of thing. That's been an ongoing situation and is likely to continue to increase as we get closer to the elections. And, and in India, you have this sectarian violence between the Hindu and the Muslims that uh, is unparalleled anywhere else in the world. Um, you have a lot of really bad history between these two organ these two religions. And um and so this is this is a concern because of where it's going to lead down the line. In the crossfire with all of this stuff are the other religious minorities, among them the Christians. And so we're expecting that there's going to be more pressure, more scrutiny from the government uh, as we approach the elections. Um, and and Prime Minister Narendra Modi is basically saying, we're going to win. We're going to walk away uh, with the election. And you can just expect that we are going to be a Hindu nation. And if you're not Hindu, you're not Indian and you're not welcome here. Voice of the Martyrs mm-hmm. USA is encouraging us to continue to, con- to be praying for um, believers who are in India, but also to be praying for gospel work uh, as it continues, because uh, many of the states now within the country are implementing their own um, anti-conversion laws. Um, with the election that's coming, the expectation is that Narendra Modi is going to try to push for a national anti-conversion law which uh, would be very similar in its implementation to the blasphemy laws in Pakistan. But, um, you know, it, it's it's not there yet. Uh, they've been trying to implement a national anti-conversion law in India for a long time, and it just hasn't picked up enough steam because there are enough states that say, yeah, you know, this our, our, our constitution guarantees um, freedom of religion. And an anti-conversion law flies in the face of that. Which is, you know, obviously a situation that creates a lot of tension and chaos. It has actually led to assassinations in the past. Um, so there's a lot to be praying for. Um, and yet God is doing a lot of work in India. Um, you ha- you're, we're still finding unreached people groups and language groups that haven't ever had the word of God before in their own language. And and those things are being addressed now. Um, the Holy Spirit continues to move in this country in spite of what's happening politically. Uh, we just need to be praying that uh, the believers, the followers of Christ, the gospel workers who are on the ground in these places um, will continue to be bold in what they're doing and that God would protect them and make them unseen by people who are looking for them. Mm. I'm not sure I've ever heard a better summary of Hindu nationalism um, when you said, if you're not a Hindu, you're not Indian and you're not welcome here. That is Hindu nationalism in a nutshell for those of you who have been wondering. And it's important to you know remind ourselves that India is now the most populous nation in the world. Um, and it is um, a significant and growing um, partner of the United States in many, many ways. And so um, when we talk about there being something guaranteed in a constitution, in this case, a freedom of religion guaranteed in the constitution of the nation of India, it, 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 that, is under, that is under very real threat on a practical level in day-to-day life in India, where there are many people operating in many places um, with the understanding that if you're not Hindu, you're not Indian, and therefore you're not welcome in India. Um, but technically, India is a place where people are free to practice any religion or no religion at all. Um, and so consider consider the constitutional protection um, of the freedom of religion and the freedom of religious expression where you live and how that might be under threat as well. 
Um, when we come back, we're going to talk with Ruth Kramer about a range of things happening across um, Africa. We're going to talk about what's going on in Nigeria. We're going to talk about what's going on in Sudan. And if we've got time, we'll also circle uh, here closer to home and check in on what's happening in Haiti. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, Faith Radio is celebrating 75 years of bringing faith to life. That's right. We are 75 this year. So to celebrate, we are giving away 75 Faith Radio birthday boxes packed with all kinds of fun things to help you grow in your walk of faith and, yes, celebrate with us. So we're going to be celebrating the birth and growth and future of Faith Radio all year long. And you are an integral part of the Faith Radio family, and so we want to send you a gift. How fun is that? This is our birthday song. It isn't very long. So to enter to win a Faith Radio birthday box today, come to MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find the stories we're talking about and a whole lot more at missionnews.org. Um, let's, um, let's pivot our attention, Ruth, to, um, to Nigeria. Read us in on, on what's happening there in terms of violence against Christians. You know, we've been discussing a lot of what's been happening in Nigeria for a long time. And we, you know, we're, we're watching the pressure on Christians. You've got so many enemies that are targeting believers and trying to just eradicate their influence in in the areas in in northern Nigeria. Um, You've got the Islamic State of West Africa province. Uh, You've got Boko Haram. You've got the Fulani herdsmen. And they're all fighting for dominance, uh, for the resources, for um, the influence of what's going to be governing that country, uh, and the and in the process targeting the Christians. So, um, as we've been reporting on this, um, it's become very clear that Nigeria was probably the deadliest place. Uh, well, I can't say in the world, but it is among the most deadly in the world uh, to uh, to be a Christian. And Open Doors World Watch list bears that out. Uh, Nigeria has been in the top ten. Probably for the last four to ten, uh, four to six years. I, I want to say four to six years on that. Um, and then last year, as we were kind of watching the situation, uh, it, it was disconcerting because the numbers of people who were being killed by religious extremists and by um, insurgencies, uh, insurgents, I should say, um, had increased beyond what we had expected. In January of 2024, that pattern continued uh, where we saw at least one Christian being killed every single day. Um, yeah. You know, you say, okay, that's just 30, 31 people. That's not so bad. But one Christian killed every day in these areas where you have uh, a number of insurgencies, and and those were just the ones we could track. Um, the concern is that this is going to be worse this year uh, than it was last year. And as we watch this kind of stuff, we get kind of numb to it because it's just another another attack for another day in Nigeria and, and it's not getting any attention. A good example of that is the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day attacks um, that uh, were committed by the Fulani uh, militants and really not seeing any uh, news coverage of what was happening. 160 people were killed in those attacks as everyone else is celebrating Christmas. And and so, you know, this is, is one of those 
very underreported situations because it's happening so often. Nobody's paying attention to it anymore. Um, and, and again, one of the things that really is kind of a head scratcher is that the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom is, is urging the State Department to put countries like India and Nigeria back on the CPC list, the countries of particular concern list, because of these kinds of situations, because of egregious violations on religious freedoms. And, um, you know, India is one of the BRIC nations, so there's money involved with that. And we can't mm -hmm. figure out why Nigeria is taken off altogether. But this is something where we can take some action aside from uh, entreating uh, on uh, to the throne of heaven on the behalf of our brothers and sisters who are gospel working in the gospel uh, in these areas to go to our elected officials and say we're watching this we want to we want some answers we want to hold someone accountable for what is happening to these people without with impunity there there just really doesn't seem to be much of an effort successfully to protect um, the the people that are being targeted or to see it, uh, you know, slowing down at all. Um, one thing I wanted to encourage us uh, uh, in terms of how we can be praying for believers, uh, we do want to pray for their physical protection. I'm just going to list these off real quick. We want to yeah. pray for their emotional well-being because there's a lot of trauma. There's accumulated trauma that's involved with just being a target all the time. Um, pray that the fruits of the Spirit will flourish amid the violence. Um, you can imagine how these kinds of things, uh, especially when you lose someone that you know or lose a loved one, how that would really uh, fight with your your human nature, um, you know, mm -hmm. the, the fruits of the spirit continue to flourish. Pray that the Nigerian government will make moves to protect their own people. Um, it's a mystery as to why they're just kind of letting this go unchecked. Pray for those who have been kidnapped. There's been a lot of kidnappings, not just, I mean, you know, you, you've got some of the, the big kidnappings that people recognize. You have the, the poster faces of people that you recognized with the, the kidnappings, but that was just one kidnapping out of hundreds. And these things are happening constantly. Big groups um, because of, of ransom money. It's one way that some of the insurgencies are raising raising money, basically. Um, pray that Christians won't hate their enemies. At this stage of where we are right now, um, they're just tired of it. They're tired of being picked on. They're tired of being unprotected. They're tired of nobody paying attention to what's going on. And they want to they basically fight back. And the church the, the church leadership is saying we can't fight back. And the church leadership is coming to the rest of the world and coming to the body of Christ elsewhere and saying, pray for us, pray for an end to this because we don't know how long we can keep the lid on this. People are angry and they're hurting. So pray that Christians won't hate their enemies. Pray for confusion among uh, amongst the enemies so they can't find their targets. Um, mm. And that pray for the families, that they'll stay united um, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, a lot of times when you are forced to flee a village, there's chaos, there's uh, separation. Pe family members get separated, they're running out in the bush, and you lose people. So mm -hmm. just pray that they can stay united. Um, Ruth, we have to leave it right there. Um, but let me thank you again um, for continuing to bring forward um heart hitting news like that's you know you're you're hitting us where it matters with the news that is underreported in so many other outlets and so 
Mission Network News is where you want to turn for um, for not only the stories we've talked about today, but places all around the globe. God's got the whole world in his hands, um, and he has precious brothers and sisters in Christ living in really hard places. Um, so pray today in the ways that um, that Ruth has encouraged us. Pray in these ways for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria and Sudan and Haiti and India and Pakistan um, and in every other place around the world that God now brings to mind. And so does God bring Christians in Afghanistan to your mind? Does he bring um, Christians in Gaza to your mind? Where are the spaces and places that God has set in your heart? And would you be the person who prays today? Together, all together, we're going to hold the world up to God the Father in our prayers. And I want you to focus intentionally on one specific people in one specific place. Could you do that? There's enough of us right now together that we could um, each do our part to pray specifically for one people in one place. And together, the world would be prayed for. We've got another hour together um, next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.